You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome or welcome back to another episode of Black Hair in the Big Leagues. Good morning, you guys. It is a beautiful day in New York City, and it is still Black History Month. You guys, I'm so excited. Um, I'm talking to two wonderful guests today. I just saw them on stage on Broadway in their show, and so I'm going to um, introduce them, and then let's get it started. Ha! Okay, so first up. On the docket, we've got a singer, songwriter, a choreographer, and the creator of You Fly Mothership. And I got to see her with my own eyes. She is an amazing performer and dancer and vocalist, um, a graduate from Spelman College. Come on, former touring member of Urban Bushwomen, let's go, and making her Broadway debut in American Utopia. Y'all help me welcome Tendai Kaumba. The crowd goes wild. Welcome, Tendai. Hello. Oh my gosh. What an introduction, girl. You are doing it. Oh, yes, thank you. No good proud. morning. Thank you for getting up this morning. I'm so excited to talk to you. Just use yeah. her intro for me, too. And as you can hear, we've got another guest. Let's see. My next guest, she is a musician. Y'all, there's a special place in my heart for musicians. And a total, and I really mean this from the depths of my soul, a total badass. She kills it on guitar and has worked with Will I Am, CeeLo Green, Billy Porter, and Vogue and Adam Lambert. She's toured with Cirque du Soleil and returns to Broadway as a guitarist in American Utopia. Y'all put your hands together for Angie Swan. Woo, woo, woo. Woo, I'm returning to Broadway. I think this is my first time on Broadway. You know what? Everything I read said returning. And I was like, oh my goodness, where else? I wonder if they counted Cirque. Or not? I th oh, I think they may return because uh, we did it in 2019. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this, so. Yeah. This is our return to the second go yeah. round. Which, Either way, good to be here. 
Thank you guys for um, for joining me this morning. I know it's early. I'm not even in a show right now, and I can feel that it's early. So <laughs> thanks for getting up. Which, by the way, I would like to ask, like, so you guys started the show in 2019. It opened, was it at the St. It wasn't at the St. James at the time, right? That's where Frozen was. So where were you guys? We were at the uh, Hudson Theater at the time, and we started on Broadway in 2019. Uh, 2019. Before that, we had done the world tour in 2018. That's incredible. So both of you guys have toured with this show. Yes. Yep. The world tour and the Broadway. So I'd like to ask you both, um, and we can start with you, Tendai. Um, uh, how did how did David Byrne or how did this show come into your life? Oh, um, by way of the assistant choreographer, Lizzie DeMint, um, her and I worked on a, in a workshop in a rock opera with Jim Finley a while ago. And I guess in the midst of them getting the show together, they were looking for someone to hold down and replace the role that I hold as the background vocalist dancer that could hold on to the movement through the tour. So I was coming off of doing another show um, and I got off a plane and got an email from David Byrne <laughs> uh, in, all, in all lowercase letters, letters saying, uh, do you want to join my, my band? Um, yeah, so that's literally what happened. I got an email from David and I thought it was spam because it was like just so casual. <laughs> way too casual. Is this real? You know, um, followed up and followed through. And then I jumped in on the tour about two months in after they had already begun touring and continued on for the rest of the world tour and so on and so on. That's amazing. What city did you join in? I joined in Atlanta, my hometown. So they <laughs> Come made it on. Yeah, to be able to come to Atlanta and that be my first show. And it was a festival, a Shaky Knees Festival. Um, yeah, so it was that was a nice omen to get oh, things to Were your knees shaking? Were your knees shaking? They were definitely shaking because I, I, I learned the whole show uh, in two weeks without meeting everyone because they were all on tour. So I met the whole band the morning of my first show. I never got a chance to rehearse with them. I just hopped in and hopped on stage and had to memorize everything um, before meeting them. So my knees are definitely shaking because I was like, I don't even know you and I have to run around on stage with you right now. Yeah. Hello, testing, testing. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Um, yes, yeah. Gosh, I'm cutting in and out. Sorry, girl. Sorry, sorry, you guys. Your XLR cable's not plugged in all the way. Push it down a little bit. There she is. Come on, guitar tech. That's, well, that's not even a guitar, but yeah, I got hello, it. Hello, hello. <laughs> you know, you know, you got, you got is, the knob. Is that better, Angie? Can you see it? Yeah, I can hear you better. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and see, this is see, we're talking to pros here, folks. Me not. <laughs> I'm talking about them. Um, Angie, how did this world find you? How did David come to you? This tour. Well, it's kind of similar story with the lowercase emails. Um, well, actually, one of my old college professors wrote me on Facebook of all places. And she said, and I hadn't spoken to her like for about five years or something. And she said this, I was living in Milwaukee at the time. 
And she said this artist was looking, this artist was uh -uh. looking for a guitar player that could sing, um, uh, but you have to live in New York City. And, and I, this was in like uh, July, 2017. And I was like, I'm not gonna just move to New York for anybody who is, who is this person? And she says, David Byrne. And I'm like, <gasps> and you know, I had gone to Berkeley College of Music where, you know, Annie Clark was also St. Vincent who worked with David. Uh, we knew each other in school and I knew she had worked with him and I've always been a Talking Heads fan. And so I'm like, oh, wow. Well, if he'll let me audition online, you know, I'd love to give it a, give it a go. And I, you know, I was surprised I didn't find what they were looking for in New York City at the time. Um, so I sent that in and then they wanted a bunch of recommendation letters. I, I actually- Letters? Like letters of rec? Well, yeah, recommendation from like the music director of Cirque du Soleil or other companies I'd worked with. Wow. Um, but what was really funny is my my audition song. I did a couple Talking Head songs and then Childish Gambino Redbone. <laughs> that, that was my audition song I used and sent it off. And that's I awesome. hadn't heard from him. And I said, all right, that's I guess I didn't get it. It was in my junk mailbox, his uh -uh. lowercase email. <laughs> it said it just said my tour and you. <laughs> Hi, period. My name's David Byrne, period. I saw your, I listened to your tapes. I have a, a tour coming up and I'd love for you to be a part of it if you're interested. Let me know. And, so. and it got sent straight to spam because that's what all those spam emails look like. And you know, and I was just bored that day and I was just like, oh, I have nothing going on. And I'm like, all right, let me just, you know, I think a, a Planned Parenthood a commercial came on talking about, you know, make sure you get CD checked and always junk. So I checked my junk mail and then <laughs> I'm just, I'm embellishing, but oh. yeah, no, I checked my junk mail and uh, yeah, that's where the letter was. And so I wrote him back and flew out to New York like a week later to meet him. And, you know, then a few, another month later, I moved out to New York for rehearsals. So. That's, it's incredible. You, the both of you fit so well in this show, in this company, vibrationally, energetically. It seems like such a fit. I enjoy like watching you guys like have little looks at each other. I'm like, oh, I wonder what that moment is for them. Like, <laughs> it, she's probably looking at the corn on my toe. <laughs> oh no, the corn's looking at me. <laughs> it, it, it waves to you sometimes. Yeah, we have we have a whole bond. You got it. I literally, it's really great. And I'm going to like, y'all don't, whew, don't get mad at me. But before the show, I didn't realize who David Byrne was. And yeah. I didn't know like, okay, American Utopia. A lot of times I like to go into shows and not know anything about it. This is one of those times. And so we start the show with an old white man holding a brain. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> What is this? Okay. Mm -hmm. And the set, I'm like, the set is so simple. What is this? It mm -hmm. took me a couple of minutes. I'm like, what is going on? And he breaks fourth wall right away. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, okay. Okay. But then the music starts. I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. And at some point I reach, I lean over to my assistant and I was like, I'm not sure what's going on yet, but I'm into it. And she was like, me too. Y'all, wow. this is, I've never seen a show like this. Mm. And so it yeah. makes sense that like, okay, you guys were on tour. I'm like, wait, it, who's the dad? Who? Wait, nope, it's not, mm -hmm. it's not that. It's not that. Mm -hmm. You Like the band, you guys are the show. You're the show. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's so great. And I was like, 
Okay, starting to recognize some of the music. Did you guys always know who David Byrne was? Hmm? Yeah, I've been a Talking Heads fan since the 80s, 90s. You're like, like yes. Well, I'd see his videos as a kid. He was just very always artistic. As a young child, I'd see I, when MTV actually had music on it, yeah. um, watching videos. <laughs> and I was just like, 80s videos were so creative. You know, you think about Michael right. Jackson's Prince's Talking Heads and Peter Gabriel. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've always just admired his work over the years, and it's just it's groovy music, and his love for world music, you know, really translates and comes through what he plays. I yeah, yeah how about I you? Will say, I actually did. I did and did not. So it was like I realized it after the fact. I'm like, oh, I do know this song. Oh, I do know his music. Right. Oh, I did. My aunt used to play this, you know, but not necessarily being having that in my catalog. Um, but what's been really, I guess, inspirational or interesting or exciting about it is that I've been, I've had this experience of like diving in from just a professional point of having to learn and make sure I can do my job, but then like being inspired in the process because of not just how he writes, but how his, um, how his brain works and then how he is as a person as well. So it, I feel like I kind of maybe looked up by not being such a fan ahead of time because I got to be able to get to like actually experience him and become right. an actual fan and appreciate like what he creates his work and realize just how many people he's collaborated with. I mean, he has done so many collaborations from like De La Soul to like St. Vincent, just like his catalog runs so deep, it's like even as a solo artist. And it's been really cool to like, understand that but I didn't and then also being able to bring and invite like my homegirls my friends who know nothing about David Byrne and start to be inspired and be like well I had no idea what to expect you know and have genuine appreciation has been really cool to like to just open a new avenue of people up to his music it's really cool and it is mm -hmm. very inspiring like knowing nothing at the beginning and being on my feet before the end of the show do you know what i'm mm -hmm. saying we're on our mm -hmm. feet before the show is we're not even at bows we are all oh I, I know i saw you guys too i'm like oh my goodness i i really like them they're so awesome you guys are so great like oh, yeah, we always look for the black people in the crowd yeah no Tendai, i told her about the flies in the milk like where we look oh, in yeah. the audience and we will see like our like a young black girl in the front row oh, we always look at each other and go Oh, oh yeah, there's the sweetest young little black girl in the front row. And it was like, you're the reason. You're, you're the, the reason. reason. You're reminding me that I used to be that little girl one day. Yeah, this is the, these are those moments. I, so, yeah. I love that. Wait, tonight I have a question for you. Mm. You, I didn't see you sweating at all. And I was watching <laughs> you move up there. I was like, I know oh, she's getting a workout. Those knees are getting up high. <laughs> Those are some high knees. I don't see a drop of sweat. So how, what, what are you doing? There's, there's plenty of sweat. I just, uh, my counterpart, he, he sweats a little more than me. So I think he outshines me with his That's sweat. That's what I was going to say. He outshines. <laughs> I think he outshines me with his sweat. Cause it's definitely there. Uh, your girl is definitely working. I'm splashing uh, in it on stage. No, <laughs> not splashing. I know. I'm like sprinkler after, after a couple of songs, sprinkler system. Um, no, I mean, it's been a, a practice. Also, you know, I mean, I've toured with dance companies for a very long time, but the difference with doing the same show 
every night in the same theater on the same side of your body every night. That's become a new thing. Cause I mean, it happened when touring, but I think we always have a little bit of space between shows for like your body to recalibrate. So I've just been having to go like really get myself together every day with yoga. I got Peloton. Nice. Got ice. Um, doing like ballet classes when wow. I have space to like just realign myself and then I create, I mean, myself and my partner, Greg Purnell, we create with that's, we are You Fly Mothership. So that's also just taking time to continue to just like improv in my body, which I do kind of on stage too, but nice. making sure I do that before getting on stage with whatever we're creating, but then also just evening myself out and like, you know, physical therapy. <laughs> we love a PT slot. You know, good old PT, good old spa day. <laughs> um, and Angie, what about how do you keep it fresh? Both of you really like you're doing this eight times a week and watching you from the audience. It feels so fresh. It feels like everybody on stage is present. Like I'm feeling I didn't see anybody checking out and, you know, as a performer, I'm looking for it. I'm like, who's ready for this smoke break? Uh, I saw nobody. Well, like, we, we actually do six times a week. L luckily, I mean, if we did eight times a week, our bodies would really feel it. We, I mean, we feel yeah. it with six. On tour, we do like maybe three shows max per week. The most, yeah. Three, four, four, four on a bad week. But, um, you know, we just, I feel like for, for me, it's a different show every day because it's a different audience. Um, and, you know, again, touring really helped us build that camaraderie. So we know each other, we know our personalities and you know, we all care about each other. And so it's not like we're blindly going up there with people who we don't, who we haven't spent time with. And, you know, living on a bus with people for 10 months can really create a, create a bond that won't go away. And that bringing that, that I think that the tour is what made Broadway what it is. And, you know, the, and, you know, honestly, I preferred touring just because it was just like, I like that's the kind of pace I like to go at. And, um, you know, the business side is a little bit different, but it's, um, I, I think we're just a family. You know, we're all different personalities. It's like a gumbo. If you make gumbo, all these different ingredients that are their own separately and you put it together and it still works. So. We love a gumbo. David's yeah. got the crab legs because that crab, crab legs be slapping me. <laughs> Shut up right now. <laughs> I'm so hungry right now. I'm so hungry. It must be crab legs. And we got to like have, I feel like even throughout the show now, it's almost choreographed as moments where everybody connects with each other too. Mm -hmm. Or it's like at this song, at this lyric, this is when I look at this person or that person. I feel that helps us keep each other checked in throughout totally. the show. And we so know each other's parts too. So if somebody messes up, we kind of wink at the person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. Can I ask you guys about like your hair journey? Cause it seems, and I don't know, but I, it seems like you guys, like what I'm seeing right now, this is who you are. And this is also who I saw on the stage. So what was the conversation in the hair department when you guys came to Broadway um, reg Ooh. regarding your hair? Can I, can I start on this? Because um, there's never a conversation with hair and black hair care in the entertainment industry is very difficult. I, I worked, I lived in LA, did shows on sets and nobody knew what to do with my hair. It was foreign to them. Uh, when I was with Cirque du Soleil, we had to travel city to city and they would send everyone to the Aveda salon. I'll never forget the time they sent me there. 
the guy, he's just so excited. He said, oh, wow, I've never got to work with ethnic hair before. Next. <laughs> and I said, and you're not going to start today. And I got up, my hair looked like shit for three. Oh, I'm sorry. It looked like <laughs> my mane looked like shit for three years because I, I just let it grow out and nobody could take care of it traveling across Canada. And so it's really hard. We don't have a hair department in this show. Uh, very fortunately for me, Tendai's partner, Greg Purnell, is a master barber and he's he's been cutting my hair for come through yeah. he's been cutting actually the hair up and he see as a, yeah. a black barber he's he knows all all hair textures whether it's white or black or anything in between so he yes. cuts he's cut david's hair he's cut a bunch of the drummer's hair uh bass player so thanks to tendai for coming along and bringing greg as well because nice did they like low-key hire him tendai uh, well, I was able to, we were able to work it out where he was able to be hired for the film when we did Spike's film. So, um, Spike, he is Spike Lee, y'all. Spike Lee. Come on! <laughs> Spike Lee. That's amazing. First name. Go on. Um, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, yeah, so he was able, we were able to work it out where he would, he came on and did the hair for everyone within the film. Um, and it started from, I mean, of course, me joining the tour and then him coming out to visit me and he taught me, helped me to teach myself how to cut, like at least my sides to upkeep myself while touring. Cause I didn't want to trust just walking into any shop cause I've been really spoiled. Um, I've had locks my whole life since I was three years old. So I've constantly dealt with pulling my hair back and things like that for dance and ballet and all this stuff. Um, and uh, he, the first person that shaved my sides and have for the rest of my whole relationship. So um, I was like, I can't just go to another barber while I'm on tour. Um, so luckily he taught me to do enough where I could upkeep my sides. And then when he would come to visit, he would always bring his clippers when he traveled. So it worked mm -hmm. out with starting to take care of my hair and then me sending out a message of like, hey, I know everybody's kind of struggling to look and feel their best. <laughs> you know, you want to feel good. Um, and yeah, good. you're on stage. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, and he's always, I mean, you know, just always just willing to give, especially when it comes to his craft. So um, he was willing to do it and travel with his clippers and when either went to hotel rooms or they all came to our hotel room, like a little travel shop. And it's continued. Mm -hmm. We're now people come to Brooklyn to get their cut if they need it. And nice, you know, so that's I mean, it's kind quite of the journey, but it's worth it. <laughs> yeah. You want to come to Brooklyn. Um, it is worth it. I mean, I mean, just looking at you both, like your hair looks bomb. And I was thinking that while I was in the audience, like, come through. We got like designs and stuff in there. It looks, yeah. it looks so good. And I love that you guys were able to like just be you on the stage. It's really a blessing. I mean, I say that a lot when people ask about this show. I mean, you know, I I grew up musical theater head also as far as like just you know arts baby as we all do and you know you could be in any kind of show and you think of what Broadway is to you if you're going to put on this crazy extravagant costume and you know it's like how what are the chances that out of anything like we get to have this Broadway debut in this amazing show and get to be just the best versions of ourselves you know and yeah. do what we do and that be enough if not more than to add to like create this whole world on stage and David giving the space for that too, you know, cause he could, you know, handle it however he wanted to it was like, you know, world, 
world famous, you know, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. He could have, right. you know, had any kind of personality to how he wanted to run his show, technically. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, but the fact that it's it's continued to feel so inclusive, even from when I first joined, is definitely continues to make a difference for sure. And, you know, that's been kind of a hard thing for me is like moving for, once the show is over, sad mm-hmm. face, as a musician, it would be, I don't know if I could ever do another Broadway show. It would be really hard for me to go from this and be under the stage in a pit. And yeah. I, I never, mm-hmm. I never yeah. wanted to do that. You know, I've never, I mean, before this stage show, like Cirque du Soleil were in costume on stage playing, uh, other cool. artists I played with on stage playing. I've never seen myself as a Broadway musician. Um, I don't consider this a Broadway show. I consider it a concert that ha- with a story that happens to be on Broadway. Yeah. And I feel like people are treating it like that, too. Yes. Like people have picked up on the point that this is like a concert. I think sometimes a little too excited, but still they show up and they're like, I'm getting a story. I'm getting inspiration and I'm getting just good live music. Totally. Know? Totally. And that's how I felt, too. I'm like, oh, wait, this is a concert. But I'm like, but I'm in a Broadway theater. I need to stay seated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And people were asking, what's the what's the plot? And I just read a comment recently. Because they're like, oh, there are only a few weeks left of the show. And somebody said, is David Byrne in this production? <laughs> like, he is the production. What do you well, mean? that's the thing. It's like, I just finished the Britney Spears yeah. musical. Britney's not in it. I did the beautiful, right. like the Carol King musical. Carol wasn't in it. So yeah, that, Tina's not in it. Yeah. You would think when something's happening so frequently in the week, the star who you're like honoring, of course they're not in it. So it's so cool. Mm. Yeah that he is in it. Like, it's so awesome. And also I just want to, before we totally move on, I just wanted to say, I'm so sorry that they sent you to the Aveda salon, Angie. Like, I- Not, not, not this show, this was back in another-, uh, another Yeah, week. when you were on tour with like, what with, with whoever, like that is- That's I was with the circus. <laughs> with, the, with the circus, like that is not, it doesn't feel good. It feels good when you have people who know what to do in the room yeah i mean and there aren't really yeah when you see someone you recognize i remember when i joined that that production there was an, another black girl like people from all over the world were in it like 25 countries or something and she said to me i felt so much better when you walked in because i came into the show later than most of the cast and performers so it's yeah it's just seeing seeing familiar a familiar a familiar face and a lot of my white friends don't have to deal with that and no i except i went to i think i went to a bar or something up in harlem with a white friend and she was like I, I said to her, this is where I, f- I feel like in the rest of the world pretty much all the time. Ooh, she never has wow. to notice it because she always sees the commonality. She doesn't have to think about that stuff. And I'm like, this is me in the suburbs of Wisconsin. And so she's like, oh, wow. I'm like, now you notice you're the only one in this room. Yeah. And on tour, we would try to make ways of like people coming to visit us overseas to bring black hair care products. Like I would have my mom like, can you bring some Carol's daughter? You know, can you bring some Shea Moisture? She brought me something. Yeah, she, I was like, I need to bring two, one for me, one for Angie, because we're in Australia and we can't find anything to moisturize our hair. Yeah, I'm like, kangaroo cream ain't gonna work for me. Oh (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I remember when I was living in South of France, I, I needed, I found, well, this is when I used to relax my hair. Thank God I stopped because I don't want brain damage and it's not even made by black people. But anyways, I, um, I found a <laughs> relaxer kit in a market with covered in dust next to some tortillas. It's like in France. <laughs> wow. Wow. Wait, when did you go natural, Angie? 
it's been maybe like seven years. Not too long. Not too long. I'm glad I did. Oh my God. It looks very healthy. Thank you. Thank you. I take care of it. Was it always, did you always trim it up on the sides? Was that like a a shift? No, I used to be trimmed on the sides through my twenties, trimmed on the sides, and then it was relaxed on the top. Um, so just like pretty much this, but straight, sometimes it would hang over. I used to have my hair really long, like when I was a teenager, but it was just very, you know, relaxer kits and yeah, I mean, I'd go get it done, you know, whole thing. And, but you know, that's kind of like, it's, it's sad. Like it almost society almost tried to make us not love ourselves and think like, this is what beauty Mm -hmm. should be. And that's not, that's definitely not the case. And more people are embracing that now and just your natural beauty. So yes, I'm trying to get some more of my family members to join that, that, but they're still very. Oh, my, every time I go home, Angie, my family's like, so mm. what are you going to do mm. with your hair? <laughs> yeah. I know they're trying, but the it's still. It does yeah. it every time. And mm-hmm. what about you, Tendai? Like you mentioned you did um, ballet like from a young age. Mm-hmm. Did I hear that right? And oh, no, no, that you yeah. had your locks since you were three. And I'm. Yeah. Wondering how was that going to a ballet class with locks? Oh, I mean, growing up in general with locks has been a journey um, because I I wasn't I was born in D.C. but I also grew up in Buffalo for a chunk of years before moving to Atlanta. So those years in Buffalo, New York, as a little black girl with locks and African name was very interesting to say the least. A lot of like trying to identify, self-identify. Um, my mother has locks as well as my aunt. So luckily I was always able to find like examples, but, you know, it was definitely, it's very interesting now seeing just how many, how much just like natural locks and faux locks and all this stuff is just like taken over. And I'm yeah. like, wow, where were all of y'all? Were y'all making fun of me in school? Where was <laughs> all y'all? Oh. I used to be teasing me and talking all this mess about me and calling me, you know, Medusa and stuff like that. And, and now, now you got yours in. Now you got a whole Instagram based off of you and your locks. Wow. Right. Where was you? You know, it's just, it's been, it's just been, been a journey. I mean, even you know, even going into Spelman, I love my sisters, but I, and I saw so many transitions of women going in with natural hair and graduating yeah. with straighteners, oh. going in with straighteners and graduating with locks. You know, Come it's, on. it's it's in. Um, I feel like having locks my entire life. I've always wondered if I wanted another hairstyle, but I just I couldn't fathom it. I couldn't picture it. It just was like a lot, a part of me, I guess, maybe. And shaving my sides was my way of creating some type of shift or change. You know, who knows what will happen down the line, but. I said blonde, blonde. (laughs) Blonde? Maybe. I mean, I used to have blonde locks. I might just shave it all off. You know? Ooh. Literally, (laughs) I'm globe. I'm here for it. Um, the way both of you wear your hair is so beautiful. And I am going to let you go soon, but I there's something that I really wanted to ask you about. And um, during the show, like, I love the journey that I went on as an audience member of being like, I can't believe I don't know. Like, now I'm able to say, I can't believe I didn't realize who that was at the start of the show. Um, l- enjoying the groove being like oh wait this is a bop this is a jam being like oh oh i know this song now i realize who he is into Mm -hmm. into 
him asking about the Janelle Monae song and then going into that and you guys are literally saying the names of 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 the people who have been killed during I mean pr pretty much our whole lives but now it's being like captured on camera on film and everything and mm -hmm. uh <laughs> I <laughs> was a mess I was a, a big old ball of tears and I'm I'm wondering how is it for both of you as as black women singing that song playing that playing that piece how are you able to keep it together every night hmm. it sucks it sucks especially because the, when the song was written none of the names we're singing existed none of, i mean none of the well no they existed but they were you know they weren't victims of police brutality at that point they were still alive and living their lives when this song was written the, the song keeps being updated unfortunately and it is hard it's hard I, i'm looking at the audience i'm like are they singing is this registering are, are they just kind of like not taking it seriously and it's hard to tell the, the 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 reactions now with the masks on on tour we had people walk out i think in tampa florida guy like flipped us off and you, you see the words bullshit and he like kind of leaves a the theater some people were upset about it, um, but it, it, you know, I, it's not, it's not, it's nothing, it's not something to be taken lightly. And I look around at my other band members to see what their expression on their face, if there's some kind of life or something, cause it could be any of us. It could, it, we could be those names. And so I take it, that song very seriously. It's probably one of the most important songs um, in the show. And I'm glad David wanted to, you know, do that song. Me too. I'm sorry, go, you yeah. can. Oh yeah, no, definitely. Um, I mean, when I even got called to do the show and like saw the set list and watched the show, you know, David, he's an amazing artist and it's an honor to work with him. But seeing that he included this in the lineup of the show is what made me agree to it. That's what made me say yes to doing the show at all. Um, I mean, specifically because of, you know, feeling you have a duty in some way to your community. And if I'm going to be dancing and singing with this white man, I need to be very clear on how I'm holding space as a black woman in, in a tour, in a show, in the message, um, and not just saying yes because of who he is. Mm. Um, but mm. saying yes, because I, I, even with who he is and what this show will be, it's going to be, you know, it is his show, but I want to be clear that I am still fulfilling something within my own artistic integrity to, um, to validate doing this every day, you know, no matter the paycheck, no matter the tour or the city um, and making it still mean something. So that definitely was the main reason why I said yes. It used to be really, really emotional for me. Like I, and then I had to calm down. So I was like, okay, girl, you're gonna get some asthma attack and crying and singing and yelling and shouting. And, wow. You know, um, and I mean, I think the fact that me and Angie go out together and say these names together every night says something too. It was like the two black women in the cast calling out these names because I'm, and I, you know, it is hard with the mask to tell. Um, but I do know it's like when, because there's an order of how each person calls out the names. And when David goes, it's sometimes since it comes right after burning down the house, 
you know, people might be a little timid or being like, okay, we're just going to watch him call out the names. And then I feel that when we step forward after him, it's like, no, for real. For like, real. These names because it's not just him. Right. We are telling you these names. And like Angie said, like, this could be us who you're looking at right now. So if you feel some kind of way, how do you think we feel? How do you think we yeah. feel? And, and then coming yeah. to that, remember on tour, mm-hmm. like some, they treat us, di- sometimes we'd be treated differently when you're off stage versus on stage. Oh, yeah. um, one of my good friends he called it being a negro of value he's like mm-hmm. people like i've had people treat me differently and then they find out who i'm playing for mm-hmm. and then they're like oh, oh actually that happened to me today and a phone call earlier mm-hmm. uh, like, wait that was you and then, then the whole dynamic changed then all of a sudden they're like uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh. respectful respectful and nice and more open to listening to me and it's right it's, it's um wow that's that's something that happened and people think angie sings and dances and thinks i play guitar (laughs) that's another conversation yeah they just don't you know people get mixed up people i i i I, I am guilty of mixing people up before but uh yeah it's just like when you're on stage they're like this and you're off stage i mean you can just walk on you don't exist i mean and i do look taller when i'm on stage when i come off stage you know yeah, I'm a little. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm a big person, just not in <laughs> physical form. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's been that song specifically has been. Um, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a call to action. Yes, and we've been um, gracious enough to have some of the families also come to the show. Some of the families of DJ Henry, family of Amadou Diallo, family of. Um, I think I George Floyd, name. someone from George Maybe Floyd. Maybe George family. Floyd. Spike yeah. Lee was able to bring some of the families when we did the filming. So that just makes it that much more real. Whoa. And to meet Janelle Monet while we were on tour. That's cool. Um, to just like, you know, pass, that, pass another torch. So I appreciate like, you know, just the other check marks that happen to continue to keep some alignment. So we're not, we're not just saying the names for saying it. Uh-uh. For saying it. Like there's still some action involved. There were people all around me, including myself. We were yelling the names Mm. back. Mm -hmm. I was weeping. My friend next to me just held my hand. Like it was, it was a moment. And I'm just thinking about you guys up there. Like, man, you guys have to like perform. You guys have to be up on stage and do this more than once. (laughs) It's hard with with the family. I, I always choke up to the point where I can hardly sing. When yeah. the families were in the audience, it's just like, damn, this is, and you know, and I don't even want to say pleasure to meet you. I'm not happy to meet you because the the reason I'm meeting you is because your baby or your someone you love got killed. Yeah. 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 And it's interesting because we used to do, when we did this song on tour, this was just the last song. Like this was it. And then we would leave. Oh, so, snap. So it was like a, it was a real drop the mic moment, you know? And so now within the Broadway, it's like we drop the mic and then we pick it back up and say, but we can find space to grow together, you know, with a sense of hope leaving. Um, so that has been a shift. And I've always said, sort of like, oh, if you think it's like jarring from burning down the house to saying these names, think of like burning down the house of patriarchy, burning down the house of racism. Think about that. And like, and that's kind of the connection I've made of how David made that transition of finding a way for that song to be in the show and yeah. it still create like a thread. So yeah, no, we used to just it's powerful. Drop the mic that is crazy. That is what city we were in as well. 
what a freaking moment to drop the mic on that song. But like, I feel like I had decided, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm loving this show. I'm loving this show. And then that happened. And I was like, oh, 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 oh. And it, it made me like David more. I'm like, okay. All right, so he's not just surrounded by all these bomb artists of color and uh, like all over the world and the states and everything. It's like, no, no, he uh, he believes this too. For him to put this in his show, like this is a, that was big for me. So I'm well, just- You ready for a tearjerker? <laughs> no, we, oh. we have, when we traveled different countries, we learned to sing it in Spanish and Portuguese as well. Um, so we sang it in Portuguese in Brazil. I said, ready for a tearjerker. Come and, on. Um, Come on. Places in Central America, Mexico, we sang it in Spanish. We would find um, victims of police or types of brutality. We'd learn different names. Uh, was it in, in, in Portuguese? Giga do Midela, Grichi do Midela. I can't remember. Come on. Come on. Yeah. But then what was weird is when we got to Europe, I'm like, let's sing this in French. Let's sing it in German. But we were moving mm. too quickly. And, you know, mm. it would be harder. But it, it was interesting to me that in the European countries, we went back to the English version, but you know. Wow. I, um, I, I thank you guys for sharing that. Like, um, that was just, yeah. Um, and like final question, so I can let you guys go. Um, how, and this is related and unrelated to the last question. How is it for both of you being a black woman in a visible, invisible places i mean that's what you do in your career but like right now in this moment in history being visible and black how how, how is that for you being visible even on stage or in, in i life? mean like um you mentioned that little girl sitting in the front row little black girl watching you guys on stage what does that mean to you well, I, like like Tendai said, I remember being in that place. Um, you know, there's so much more that goes on. I mean, it's this is a rough industry. You know, this is there's, there's a lot that goes into it, and you have to be willing to push through the boundaries. And you know, I'm further. I've pushed through more than you know. You know, our parents, our mothers have gotten us to a certain place, and then we're taking it to a certain place, and then hoping the next generation can go further than that. Uh, we're still dealing with a lot of obstacles, but being able to at least have the space and the platform to speak on these issues and not feel like this. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. That's, that's important. And just know, knowing your value as an artist, as a person, you know, knowing your contributions, because, you know, people like to exploit you, you know, in, in, in the industry, you know, they like to have you up and center to promote something, not this show right. in particular, but yeah, I'm saying you have to know your worth and, um, you know, I've been in situations where I'll get paid less and do more than the white guy next to me. Not in this show. I'm just saying, in coming general, back to yeah. knowing, knowing your role. And so it's, you know, very important. I just say, stand your ground, hold your place and know, know your work. Mm. I love that. Today. Whatever it is, you know, think of a number in your head, charge double, add tax. Oh, that part. Let me that write part. that down. You know, if, if this is your goal, you tell you want this, and then you go in that gray area, and you're good. Mm -hmm. And I'm not mm -hmm. talking just about money. I'm talking about everything, just energy. And, worth. You know, yeah, know your worth as a person, as a performer. Um, 
because you know they we've been used for years and you know all the things they said they didn't like about us they do it anyways for their benefit and you know mm-hmm. just like knowing this stuff now i love so, it. i'm literally taking notes that's amazing mm-hmm. i'll venmo you Tendai, um i was well i was thinking just about the fact that just the representing the multitudes of black women womanness womanhood feminine like um you know there's so many versions of us as as beautiful black beings as beautiful black women and so i think just feeling like a skittle in the bag of that and knowing that <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know we're just it's, we're variety we we are a variety in ourselves and showing that there's like not one there's not one version of blackness there's not one version of of black women on stage performing there's not one version of broadway performers there's not one direction to get there you know um i think that's been the coolest part and that just there's always space to find your tribe in whatever way that is, you know, and making um, making each space your own. I feel like just the fact, like I've said, just David giving that space for us to not have to cut off any parts of ourselves, whether it's a solo, whether it's an improv, whether it's an extra riff, you know, whether it's a fill, whatever it is, you know, him giving space for that. Um, and knowing that we have our own voice that we can speak up, something's not right, something's uncomfortable, something does not feel good, having the advocacy to do that and um, yeah, holding that value, holding that worth in the space. So it's been amazing to see that little black girl, just one of those other moments of like, just reminds you why you do it, how you got the idea in your first place that you wanted to be on stage performing all night, every night. It was like, oh, that, that's where that idea started. That's I'm where, tired, but I guess this is where I got this idea from. And now they're I, looking yeah. at you. It's amazing. Yeah, you so both are so amazing. Thank you guys Thank so you. much for for coming on Black Hair in the Big Leagues and <laughs> for sitting down with me for a little while. Um, how can people find you and follow yeah. you? Come to the uh, show. We need people to buy yeah. tickets. You can find me yes, there. Yes, come to the show. <laughs> American April Utopia. 3rd. Uh, Instagram at the Angie Swan, and I'm at Who's Tendai, and uh, my collective work with my partner at You Fly Mothership. Love that, mm-hmm. y'all! You heard it here first. Go get tickets for American Utopia on Broadway. It's so 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 good. It's so great, you guys. Thank you so so much for joining me. You're thank awesome. You. <laughs> Thank so you. are you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. Take care of that microphone. <laughs> <laughs> and that wraps another episode of Black Hair in the Big League. Y'all, I'm so honored to have such great guests on this show. And if there's somebody who you want to listen to, please drop me a note on my Instagram at Salisha Thomas or at Black Hair Podcast and slip into those DMs and let me know what you want to hear, who you want to hear from. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast, rate it, leave a review, tell a friend, follow us on Patreon at Black Hair in the Big Leagues, 
Y'all, I am so grateful that you are part of this community. It would not be the same without you. <laughs> Shout out to Wilton Music for producing my theme song, Love COD. Shout out to Colin Tabor for editing this episode and most of these episodes. And shout out to you for listening. Y'all, my heart is so big and I feel so grateful. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Black Hair in the Big Leagues. I'm your host, Alicia Thomas. See you next week. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.